the trend always comes back to bite you. You're listening to the Snob OS podcast, the podcast for Apple snobs. This is Nika Monford, a.k.a. Tech Savvy Diva. Yo, this is Terrence Gaines, a.k.a. Brother Tech. And you're listening and or watching The Snob OS Show, the show where we talk all things Apple and then some. Welcome back to a new episode this week. We are happy to have you. With that, we're going to go ahead and jump into the show. We're going to start with The Lowdown, where we talk all things Apple. First up on the docket this week is um, some new hardware that Apple has um, released in the form of the Magic Keyboard with the Touch ID. So um, previously when they did the Spring Loaded event, they announced all of the the new iMacs and all of the wonderful different colors and um, the, the keyboard that it comes with. Um, in the color of whatever you decide, you got um, a magic uh, keyboard that came with a Touch ID. Now you can purchase separately this um, keyboard. Um, so the magic keyboard with just the Touch ID is $149, and the magic keyboard with the Touch ID and the numeric um, keypad that kind of sits on the side is $179. Now one thing to keep in mind, you cannot purchase these keyboards in the rainbow colors of right. the um of the IMAX. You can only get these in the silver white combo, the standard um you know color of the Mac keyboards that you can purchase. Um, along with that it comes with um a new braided um lightning to USB C cable, USB C cable um that we first saw with the new um iMax and also this new keyboard isn't just for everybody it's only for it's only compatible with other M1 Macs so if you have a a Pro or an Air or a Mac Mini this keyboard Mm -hmm. will work with your um, device as long as it is M1. Um, These are only compatible with that so but Something interesting that you mentioned, um, it comes with a braided lightning USB cable, USB-C cable. Uh, hopefully, they'll continue that trend and put it and ship it with or make it available for, you know, iPhones, AirPods, anything that takes a lightning or USB-C cable because Apple has been clowned mm-hmm. time and time again for their weak, flimsy, easy to destroy uh, lightning and or USB-C cables that come in the box with an iPhone or, you know, any of your other devices. So hopefully they will offer this braided cable, which braided cables historically have been a little more durable uh, yeah, and durable, you know, probably more so, you know, just out of the gate than any other, you know, regular lightning cable. So hopefully they'll continue that trend. Definitely. Um, so, yeah, if you are in the market for, um, a new standalone keyboard and you have one of those um, M1 devices, um, this is for you. Uh, go and uh, long live and uh, prosper and enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Uh, the next thing, uh, Safari. Um, Safari has been having some issues, especially with the new version that's coming out. Some folks who, who have um, been using it aren't particularly a fan, but um, Apple has released their preview version, which is called Safari Technology Preview. This is preview number 129. Um, and you can use this on um, the Big Sur and also the new Monterey. So basically you can use, you can use the new Safari without having to use the beta uh, Monterey Mac OS um, version. Um, so this um, latest preview version, it updates some fixes and improves performance. Um, on this article from 9to5Mac, it says it improves performance and bringing bug fixes for Web Inspector, CSS, scrolling, windering, WebAssembly, WebAPI, platform features, IndexedDB, Media, WebGL, and WebCrypto. So it seems like a pretty comprehensive um, overhaul. Well, not overhaul, but um, updates. Um, so it looks like this is ready, uh, now as of Wednesday, the 4th. Um, if you're listening to the show, um, after, um, not on the live version. So, um, it looks like, um, again, this is available and ready to use if you, um, have Big Sur. Um, so you can get the experience again. Like I said, without having to install the beta version of um, the newest um, OS, which is Monterey. Yep, yep. So that's interesting that you know, like I said, you can upload, you can download it separate of the beta. Which in most cases, back in history, you had to have the whole beta version mm-hmm. of the OS software to get the uh, browser version. But it's cool that they kicked it separately. But it sounds like. They got to hurry up and update that joint because people are not happy, I guess. So, yeah, good good news, bad news, I guess. Yeah, I don't think people were complaining about the way it was designed. So I'm assuming they have, you know, changed some of that. And it looks like you can get the update two ways. Um, You can um, go to the uh, Apple developer website um, and get it for free there. Or you can get it through um, the system preferences app on your Mac. Um, through the software update menu. So we'll definitely include this link um, in the show notes and um, it gives you all the details on where you can um, get this um, Safari technology preview version 129. All right, moving right along. It looks like um, Apple Wallet uh, continues to expand and it is currently expanding to uh, university students. So um, Apple released uh, in a press release today that they are expanding the support for the student IDs in um, the Apple wallet, um, universities and colleges in the United States for this upcoming fall semester, which I'm assuming starts probably in a few weeks. Um, This support is also being expanded out to Canada which is a first. So essentially, um, how you have your in your wallet, your your debit card or credit card or whatever you have synced to pay, you can add your student ID, which a lot of times a student ID has like your meal pass, uh, your meal plan on it, getting into like gyms or any other type of 
of school sanctioned event is available on your actual iPhone or your Apple watch. And you can use this, um, you know, anywhere that you would normally swipe or scan your student ID card. Um, it says that this is available. Of course, it hasn't rolled out to all universities. It's currently starting with University of New Brunswick and Sheridan College in Canada and in the U.S., um, Auburn University, Northern Arizona University, University of Maine, New Mexico State, and it says many more. So I'm not sure who all is included in the many more, but with the original pilot, um, I think uh, Temple was one of the, the universities, Duke were one of the universities when this was first announced back with um, iOS, watchOS 5, I think, and iOS 12. But um, in addition to this, the University of Alabama is going to be the first university that exclusively uses the digital ID. So um, no more um, physical cards? Actual, right. No physical cards. No physical uh, cards. You will, have, you will have to have, and I don't know how it's going to work. What if you don't have an iPhone? Um, right. And what if you're poor? You know, um, we can't assume that everybody, which is a good assumption to make, but we can't assume everybody has a smartphone at all. So With this capability. I'm mm-hmm. thinking maybe let's let's just say let's just say that everybody, for argument's sake, let's just say every student does have some sort of smartphone. Um, maybe these digital IDs will they'll have a, a a contemporary in the Google Play Store, but it won't be as feature packed as the Apple Wallet version. To where, like you said, you can maybe it'll be a QR code for like the Android users to mm-hmm. where they can uh, scan a, a QR code to gain access to buildings, you know, load money or whatever the case may be. But the Apple ID version, Apple Wallet version, rather. Uh, will have the extra functionality that they list in the um, in the actual story because I can't believe I refuse to believe why University of Alabama it takes a lot of money to go there you know I don't think uh, there's got to be a way around to where there be there's another another way there has to be a, an exclusionary yeah. clause that allows for physical cards for students who right. don't have them and I'm sure. That has to be in place. They're maybe just not publicizing it as much. Mm -hmm. But they're saying um, from this article, it says in April 2021, for the first time since launching launching mobile student IDs and wallet students use their mobile IDs to make purchases and access campus buildings more than they use the plastic card. So in the fall, oh, so I guess they started this in the spring, um, in April of 2021. But were students on campus in April? Maybe, I guess. Um, hmm, that's interesting. So it, it seems as if when they made this available, they noticed that students were using the digital version more than the physical version. So then they just decided mm-hmm. to exclusively go with the, the digital f- version for their 38,000 students. Um, oh, with eligible devices. Okay. That's the mm-hmm. caveat. Okay. I was like, this seems a little weird, but in the last line of the, the quote um, from Apple, it says, this fall, the University of Alabama will be the first school to exclusively issue mobile student IDs to their 38,000 students with eligible devices. 
Okay, yeah. so if you don't have an eligible device, you will probably still get the physical card. But mm-hmm. if you have an iPhone and or Apple Watch, the digital version will be your version of choice. Mm-hmm. But I think it just well, goes to, you know, what you said, you know, previously, you know, our phones and our watches are going to replace the need for physical IDs, cards, passes, and such. So this looks like it's just the next chink in the uh, link in that that chain of, of events to get there. Yep, yep. Definitely looking forward to it. Hopefully it spreads out to colleges to where you don't have to pay a million dollars to be <laughs> a to to be a student there because it kind of yeah. defeats the purpose. It's like you go to University of Alabama to uh, have a digital wallet, but don't have no money in there because you can't afford it. <laughs> right, right, exactly. And speaking of colleges, um, a lot of uh, HBCUs are using their, um, uh, what is it? Is it the Rescue Act? I can't remember the exact name. Uh, funds that, um, I think it's the Rescue Act that people were getting for COVID relief. A lot of them are clearing the balances for um, their students who had balances for the 2020-2021 year. Uh, I think started Mm -hmm. with Clark, Spellman, FAMU, and I think Morehouse announced this week they were the latest um, in in the HBCU community to to, um, wipe out the, to use their rescue funds to to, you know, take that burden off students, which is great in itself. And I noticed someone on Twitter, what makes this even greater is historically HBCUs are severely underfunded unless you Uh are one of those one or two universities that get all the money, like your Spelman's, your Uh Morehouse, your FAMS, your Howard's. And the fact Uh that they are taking this money that they could definitely use to put back into the school, they're putting it back into the students to relieve that burden from students. So, and it's only right because yeah. you know their uh, college. You know, you spend all that money, you go to college, mm-hmm. right? But not, since they, you know, things were virtual, you know, graduations were virtual. You know, what? Why am I paying money to go to college when I'm sitting at home? I could not pay money and sit, not pay as much money to sit home. So, you know, in addition to like you said, being a good move uh, publicity wise and just, you know, making sure you take care of your students, which students are supposed to be first. You know, it's kind of it kind of makes sense, you know. Yeah. And in contrast, um, Ohio State, who is uh, a very well known, very profitable. I think they have like a two billion dollar endowment instead of the typical dorm rooms. They basically have like barrack style dorm room so if you think of the military how you have your bed Mm -hmm. you have your little cubby that's Mm -hmm. what they have these students in now one of the students Mm -hmm. showed kind of the space and it's just like a bed and like a dresser and then on the other side of that is a bed and a dresser and they're divided by their dressers and i was like they showed the video i was like this one cannot be safe for covid and two, if you're paying, because I think the breakdown was like 10000 for room and board, I'm like, uh-huh. you're paying $10,000 for that when you can go and get a one or two bedroom apartment in Ohio for probably right. five $600 a month. Right. So they, they, 
they kind of like how Kanye is in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <In> a, <laughs> basically. <laughs> right. So they'll probably spin that into some chic, you know, new way of uh, dorm room living. Yeah. <laughs> Which is extremely unfortunate and zero privacy. Right. All right. Um, the last thing that we have in um, the lowdown this week is related to um, Apple Car. So that's Apple's self-driving vehicle. So they have expanded their test driving fleet to 68 cars and 72 drivers in California. And this information comes courtesy of the California Department of Motor Vehicles because you have to register cars. So um, <laughs> it looks like they started out with 68 self-driving cars and... Um, and now they've added one more car to this fleet. And when they first started testing it out um, back, it looks like in November of 2018, they only had 72 cars, but they had 154 drivers. So it looks like they've increased the number of cars and it looks like they've scaled down the number of, of drivers. So they have about, you know, almost 70 of these Apple cars out in the wild in um, California being tested out to see how they will um, will work. And I know that a lot of us have been, you know, really trying to figure out what this Apple car is. Is it a whole separate car? Are they partnering with, with someone? Because I think back, um, was it earlier this year, the end of last year, um, there was like a, a Kia Hyundai announcement that they were kind of working together with. Then that kind of went away. I think BMW was mentioned. Nissan was mentioned. I have not heard of Canoe, but apparently that was another partnership. So I'm interested to see um, what exactly is the Apple car? Is it its <laughs> own <laughs> standalone uh, type of vehicle or are there kits that can be put into other vehicles? It's, it's quite unclear, but, um, you know, anybody guess, out there in California who's listening, you know, if you see one of these vehicles out in the wild, definitely snap a picture and, and let us know what, what's going on with it. Well, so the test vehicles are not going to be anything remotely close to the production. They're probably no. minivans uh, with Apple's autonomous driving system. The guts are now, opinion, they, yeah. Right, right. Now, what your question is... Um, whether they're going to continue that and use a system and partner with Nissan, Kia, Hyundai, BMW, and let them, you know, you have a BMW, whatever the case may be, but as an add-on, you have Apple's autonomous driving system. That's what I think it is. Yeah. I doubt if Apple has enough. They may. They uh, they may, but it seems like it would be like Apple similar to how CarPlay works. You partner with a company, you add your system on top of whatever they're doing. So you BMW fans have a BMW, but you also have at Apple's autonomous driving system. That would be my guess. Yeah. Yeah. It, and, and, and that sounds probably right because there were too many different car manufacturers that were brought up in this time frame, And there's no way that they are, building their own car and building a car with each of these manufacturers that have been, been mentioned. So um, it'll be interesting to see what the, 
final output of this is. Um, but uh, in this article, it mentions back in March that there was a patent granted to Apple for a night vision system. So it does, you know, lead further to, you know, the guts of the vehicle for the autonomous portions being in other vehicles. So it'll be interesting to see how it all kind of fleshes out. And we don't know when this is going to happen. There were dates, you know, 2024, 26, 28. Who knows? Apple will release it whenever they feel like it, likely with not much forewarning to us, the consumer, until it's, you know, pretty much done and tested and and ready to ship. So, right. All right. So that is it for the lowdown. Let's head on over to Second String, where we talk all other tech. Starting off this week, we have news from Zoom. Back at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, Zoom was the go-to leader in any type of collaboration that you needed to have for meetings, for school, for any type of person-to-person interaction when we were on quote-unquote lockdown. Because here in Georgia, we never really were on lockdown. Some places were, we were not. But it has come to light that they were not quite so truthful about their end-to-end encryption. And by not truthful, I mean they lied Mm -hmm. about, (laughs) about the data the user data that they were providing um, to uh, both Facebook and Google without the end user's permission. So all that to say is that Zoom has agreed to pay $85 million to Mm -hmm. settle the complaint. Um, The proposal was filed um, over the weekend um, in U.S. District Court in in the Northern District of California. Um, It is a class action settlement um, and it applies to all categories of users, whether you have the free version or the paid version. And you think, wow, 85 million is a lot of money. So, you know, people are going to get a lot of coin. No, Um, (laughs) it appears that um, each user will get either 15 or $25, I'm assuming 15 if you were on the free version and 25 if you were on the paid version uh, in the agreement. So if you are a Zoom user, you may be getting, you know, a half tank of gas out Mm -hmm. of this lack of transparency about your user data and what was sent to the likes of Facebook and Google two of the most notorious um, mishandlers of user data. (laughs) So that agreement has come, uh, you know, together with the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission. Um, So yeah, that's going to, to be ruling out. They don't have a date as to when the, I guess, money will start rolling out or what you will need to do to get your 15 or $25, but just know that it is coming. Yeah, I don't I don't understand why Zoom did this. Um, they were popular. People were using it left and right. 
Uh, of course, most of the people are using the free version. And mm-hmm. I understand. I get it. Businesses are in business to, to make money. money. So the people who were using their free service, you know, as with anything nowadays, you have to expect them to be making money somehow. And the way they were making money was by giving your data to Google and Facebook. I don't understand why they had to hide that point. I don't understand they why didn't they have had to, to lie about that point. You ain't got to they lie, Craig. Right. They As popular as Zoom was because their revenue went from 606 622.7 million to 2.7 billion in just 12 months. Wow. So the 85 million is just a drop in the bucket. They got their money. But that's less 85 million dollars than a little bit of egg on their face when they could have just came up and said, "Look, you're using a free version. Everybody and their mama's using it. If you want to use it, trust that we are going to make our money by selling something. Your data, your profile, whatever the case may be, we're selling it to somebody else other than keeping it for ourselves." And the fact that the with the security improvements, uh, they were making all that money. I mean, I, of course, you want to maximize profit and minimize overhead. But if you know for a fact that all these people, specifically kids mm-hmm. in this pandemic, you know, you were getting money hand over fist. I don't understand why you couldn't just beef up security instead of waiting for until you got caught. To, until you got caught. But I mean, I, I'm saying it out loud, but that kind of seems run par for the course yep. for these businesses. So yep. I guess mission completed for Zoom, I guess. But at this point now, they're going to have to not only pay out the $85 million, but they're also going to have to invest money in the security or tell people that you don't have no encryption. And with the other platforms, you know, kind of coming up to speed, um, you know, there is some competition there, um, you know, with that. So they're, they're going to have to update um, and improve their encryption or risk losing um, some of their customers. So, all right. Um, The next thing we have is WhatsApp. So it appears that WhatsApp has um, introduced a new feature on both iOS and Android apps, and it allows you to send photos and videos that disappear after being opened. Not like your typical, you know, what in Snapchat, how you have the, or Instagram where you have like the stories where it disappears after 24 hours. These disappear after opening them um, once. Um, so it, de- it, it it deletes the content immediately after the other person has seen it. So um, I think, uh, of course, WhatsApp is owned by Facebook. And I know they had mm-hmm. a bit of controversy around how they were handling some of their data. So I think this is just another way that they're, again, trying to save a bit, a bit of face um, by having this option of introducing this new view once feature well they're trying to well in addition to that maybe even more so uh they're trying to keep up with instagram and snapchat because both instagram and snapchat are heavily used for direct messaging you know especially amongst the youngsters the youth you know that's something facebook is really trying to get so they're trying to keep up with them um, as far as this feature because other platforms have it um additionally i guess i don't get it I guess that's why I don't use it, <laughs> you know, because me being a techie, 
I'm immediately trying to think of ways to get around this. And the only way I can think of getting around the two ways I can think of get around it is sure the the image disappears. What happens if I screenshot it? If I screenshot it, then it's saved to my it. camera roll. Yeah. I mean, there I think there are ways that companies can detect if a screen uh, screen is using screenshot mm-hmm. and disable that. But if I just got two phones, I just yes. hold it up and then take a picture. Yep. Same difference. So yeah. uh, that's not WhatsApp's fault. That's just like that whole. That's just the nature of the beast. Right. Because, you know, I don't as if I was an avid user of these platforms like that to where, you know, my whole social identity is wrapped up in sending DMs back and forth. I guess this would entice you to, you know, be a little bit more not risque, but share stuff that you would hope that, you know, the person who's watching it only gets doesn't retain access doesn't is it going isn't the type of person that's going to share what's meant directly for you but again you know like i said there's ways around it so it's almost like uh, i don't get it but again i'm not the i'm not the demographic so but a lot of um, international (laughs) folks use whatsapp if you're here in the states and you have family and africa and all that type of stuff so but it's for those edge cases where people are if i mean let's be honest they in the in the article they reference if you want to send someone a picture of new clothes that you're trying on in the store and want a quick reaction, or if you're sending something sensitive like a Wi-Fi password. Let's be honest, this is for nudes. So yeah. it's kind of like if you're sending someone a new photo, this is supposed to give you, I guess, a sense of a little bit more comfort that this will disappear after the person sees it. So yeah. I think honestly, that's you know what it's right. for. If you fall for that one, then don't you can't blame uh, WhatsApp if your nudes get out because yeah. they have this feature because you should know going in. Once you put it out there, it is out there. It's out there. What and, platform? Yeah. I don't care what format. I don't care who you send it to. You'd be sending it to your close, dearest friend. Mm-hmm. But we've had stories. Tell all books. Revenge porn. Right. Right. Yeah. Where this information gets on the Internet somehow, some way. So yeah. there are whole platforms or whole forums dedicated to people airing out this type of laundry. So, yeah. uh, again, it's a dope feature, I guess, keeping up with the Joneses, but yeah, it ain't for me. Yeah. And, um, all you have to do is tap the number one button on your phone before sending the video and or photo. So, yeah. All right. That is it for second string. Let's head on over to for the culture where we talk, um, Social commentary, thoughts, ideas, what's going out on in the world or in the social media streets. We have a couple of things um, to cover this week. The first one, we talked about it last week, that Twitter was, um, you know, sunsetting their feature fleets, which is Twitter's version of stories. Um, it's, it's, it was supposed to go out on the 2nd of August. And, you know, as Twitter usually does, because Twitter is a wild, wild place, fleets went out with a bang and it was renamed on the, the second or the first, I guess, um, fleet Nick, because people were dropping all sorts of not safe for anybody, um, content that includes nudes, that includes acts that should not be on social media 
Um, and it was just a big cluster of activity that went on well into the night. And when folks woke up on the second, they were expecting their fleets to be gone. Fleets were still there. It took a little bit of time before, you know, Apple officially pulled the plug and they were no longer on your device. Yeah, Twitter. Um, They were no longer um, showing on the top of your your Twitter feed. Um, But yeah, folks were having a blast. Folks were getting clowned for their decision to post what they posted because some people thought they were doing a bang up job and their feelings got hurt. And um, I will say on the second, um, you know, looking at my, well, I guess technically the first, first second in that time frame, there were a lot of blue circles on folks's um, profiles. You know, when you scroll on your timeline, if you have a blue circle around it, that means you have an active fleet going on. And um, it was a pretty wild night and it went well on um, into the the late night hours. People were um, associating it with the once Twitter after dark uh, um, time on on the app. Um, so, yeah. They couldn't bring the actual Freaknik back to Atlanta because it kept falling apart. But if you have Twitter and were on fleets and following certain people, you got your taste of Freaknik in Fleetnik. So my question to you is, did you participate or partake in any of the Fleetnik activities? Uh, Never knew existed until just now. Um, (laughs) The logic of some people (laughs) is just astounding i don't know i don't know what it is about mob rule and you know uh uh jumping on a trend for the sake of jumping on a trend but this is one of those to where again with the previous story you know whatsapp and pictures disappearing you know this kind of follows that same story Mm -hmm. to where People assumed, okay, well, the pictures or the videos or whatever they were doing is going to be gone. So here's my chance to, you know, whatever. I Literally know. let it all hang out. Yeah, like, I, I don't, that's so <laughs> dumb. <laughs> because, again, sure, you may, nobody may not see it after this, but they know how the internet works. These same people that took part of this knows how the internet works. Yep. They know that once you put it out there, it stays out there. Yes, Twitter was sunsetting this feature. They were probably going to scrub their databases, their servers with all this information, but they know how the internet works. And I just hope again it's not hypocritical, but it's it's the difference between ignorance and stupidity, right? Because mm-hmm. you can claim the same thing with racist thing. You know, you hear you hear kids, you hear people who are now superstars, megastars, whatever, and they're entertainers. We dig up tweets from them from when they were 12, 13, or whatever, or back in the day when Twitter first started, and they dig up all these tweets of you saying some crazy things. And the first line of defense is, 
well, I was young. I didn't know no better. I've grown. I've changed as a person, right? You should give me the grace. That was five years ago. I have moved on to do all these great things. I've grown. I've changed. I'm not that person that I was before. All those things, right? Mm-hmm. We know how that is, right? Yep. So when something now, not five years ago, not back when Twitter first came out, this is last weekend, this past weekend, mm-hmm. this this new trend pops up. You can, in my opinion, you can no longer use the I've grown since then. When you know how the internet works, you know they like to dig up stuff. So for you to partake in this thing and then three years down the road or the next time you blow up, Oh, we've got these pictures now of you doing this on this, you know, this Fleetnik, you know, when Fleets was going away. You can't use the excuse of I didn't know no better. You knew exactly what you're doing. You knew exactly what you were doing. You know how the Internet works. Anything you put out there, they will find it. They will dig it up. It will come back to bite you. But I guess, again, I'm not going to stand in the way of a good time. If that's what y'all want to do to entertain yourselves, I'm not going to be the old crotchety dude, but just know if it comes up, you can't use that same old tired, I've grown, I'm not that person that I was before because you knew exactly what time it was. You decided to jump on a trend, didn't think it was going to come back to bite you, and it and it will. So The trend always comes back to bite you. And mm-hmm. I will say, I think I, I didn't watch any of the fleets. I've never used that whole fleet thing. It seemed kind of, I don't even like really user stories or Facebook mm-hmm. story, not user stories. It's just too much. I just, it's a lot. And I'm like, it's I don't just really too care. Much content. Yeah. It's just, I, it's I, content I, overload. I get, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. If you're trying to brand yourself, if you're trying to leverage social media for marketing, advertising, I get it. But if you just think, you take Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, three of the popular ones, we're not talking, you know, not including Snapchat, WhatsApp, TikTok, all these other, TikTok, um, all these other ones, right? If you just think Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you've got the main feed times three, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Mm -hmm. you've got direct messaging times three. You've got uh, stories now times three. That is three, six, nine different ways on different platforms. You feel like you have to share content and that can get that can. I don't see how people are not stressed out feeling like not only we're we're in this error to where you have to share everything. I mean, everything. Wake up in the morning, brushing your teeth picking clothes, Mm -hmm. going to work, going to school, at school, at work, coming back from school, work, cooking dinner, playing with your family, any other extracurricular activities that you take, all that stuff we want to share. You got to share that times three, three platforms times multiple features within that platform Mm -hmm. that you got to share. You got to use stories to get in this sort of engagement. You got to mm-hmm. use your regular feed to get this type of engagement. You got to comment on all the stuff to get this sort of analytics. And this, I can see how that drives people crazy. And like I said, I, I'd say maybe a year or two ago, I decided, look, I'm not doing all that. <laughs> I, think, I, I just can't, right? I'll post here and there something funny, 
something interesting. You know, I'll even debate a little bit, but that's it. But I can see how feeling to need the need to jump on a trend in order to expand your influence in order to leverage it to do whatever you're trying to do. I can see how you can make a misstep because you're trying to jump on this trend. You don't think about it because the way the internet works, if you think about it too long, it's over with. You know, you've so missed you gotta, the moment. You've missed the moment, right? And then add FOMO on top of that. I can understand how you could make a misstep. But I I, I hope people, like I, like I mentioned before, recognize that when you put it out there, it's out there. And this need to share everything, eventually you're either going to get burnt out. At the minimum, you'll get burnt out. Mm -hmm. At the most, you'll put something out there that's going to bite you in the butt. You'll lose everything. So right. two things. So the the comments, like I said, I didn't watch any of the fleets, but the the commentary on people that were watching them had me rolling. It was it was like one of the funniest things I had had seen on Twitter in a really long time. And that's saying something because there's always something going on on Twitter. But it was very entertaining. The second thing is when you were talking about how much we share of our lives on all these different platforms in all these different ways, my mom called me Monday morning, or was it Tuesday morning? One of the mornings. And she was like, Hey, just checking in. Um, one of my aunts had, had said, Hey, have you, have you talked to her? Is she okay? Is everything going on? Cause I hadn't posted anything on Facebook. And she mm -hmm. was like, she normally kind of keeps up and keeps track, you know, with the goings on because mm -hmm. of social media. And because I hadn't posted anything, she thought mm -hmm. something was wrong. So I right. think that just leads to, how much we use and, and and base our life on social media. I hadn't posted anything because there wasn't anything I wanted to post. You know, right. I had been on Facebook because I was scrolling. I try and, you know, see things. But, I mm -hmm. mean, there was nothing that I felt I wanted to share or needed to share. But it just goes to show how ingratiated social media is into our everyday lives that if you don't post something, people start to think, it, it oh, my happens. God, is something wrong? Or are you okay? Or, you know, those type of things. And I think that's really changing the fabric of how we interact with each other, you know, mm -hmm. just in general. Take, you know, forget putting it into buckets of in-person or online. It's just changing the way that we interact with each other, period. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep, absolutely. You know, it's almost like to where if you didn't post it, it did not happen. It did not People happen. You, you can't go to a comedy show. You can't go to a, a a concert. You know, you can't go to an event. Just just you can't go to the park with your kids without letting people know at this moment in time, this is what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I I don't believe that it will turn into a surveillance state so much so as like you've mentioned, it's going to warp our reality as it relates to what we do on a daily basis. Like I said, I, you know, like I said, I don't think, I don't think, you know, the government's going to end up watching everything that we do. You know, there will be data to be had, but I think more so, I just think we are going to hit a, a moment in time to where, you know, people get burnt out, you know, and people feel like, okay, why well, didn't they get, and people, I'm pretty sure there's studies to where people 
get anxious and have anxiety if they're not able to capture this moment and share it with their, you know, respective people. You know, I think it's going to be a problem. <laughs> I think, you know what? I think some of the social scientists, some of the psychologists, what they're doing now is they're collecting information, they're collecting data, because there is going to be a study probably in the next 10 or so years, because that'll probably be around the 20, 25 year mark of us as a society being on social media the way we are now so that they can gauge the mental aspects of this, the social aspects of this, the the consequences of what we think of now as, oh, I'm just going to take a picture of what I'm eating for dinner or, oh, I'm just going to take a picture of me being out with my friends at a concert. I think what these social scientists and psychologists are doing now are just capturing all that data and they're probably already seeing the trends of how this affects us mentally and socially at the start of this to where we are now, which I think is probably the peak of, of social media and to see if there is a decline or how it declines. Um, there are going to be, you know, documentaries. There are going to be Netflix and YouTube series on the effects of social media on our society. I know it's coming. Um, and it's going to be fascinating to watch once they put all of the pieces together and do a comprehensive look of, of how we are in, in, um, you know, how we use social media, how we consume data and how it informs our lives. And uh, don't get me wrong. You know, I think the way we interact with people using social media is a good thing. Yeah. You know, uh, there are, again, there are family and friends, you know, that I've lost and regained as it relates to social media. You know, there are friends and interests that I can share. And I, I mean, I get it. You know, like I said, I don't want to be that, you know, Debbie Downer to where, oh, we're all going to hell because of social media. I don't want to be that type of person, but I'm pretty sure there's a subset or there are kids and people who this is their entire life. And I don't think that should be a case. Social media is supposed to be a tool. Yeah. You know, just like politics, just like, you know, <laughs> Don't don't you can at me if you want to. Just like religion is supposed to be a tool to help you live your life. It's not supposed to be the way you live your entire life, but it's supposed to be a tool. A subset of that life, yeah. And when it take when anything too much of anything is a bad thing. Yeah. And I think social media will be proven to be to where if you don't if you don't know how to disconnect, if you don't know how to separate reality from social media reality i think you know like you mentioned there are going to be <laughs> documentaries of people who you know who let let it grab hold and they didn't let go yep it'll be the new drug it'll yeah. be the new, new it already new is really like mm-hmm. you said people feel they have to document everything and again there are positives and negatives to everything it just depends on which way's heavier the positive mm-hmm. or the negative mm-hmm. all right Moving on, um, we talked a little bit about this last week. This is like the third week in the row that we are talking about this individual, but the baby faces the consequences, then issues the apology. And I use all of that because the baby, along with the consequences and along with the apology, was trending on Twitter on uh-huh. yesterday. Because mm-hmm. as we mentioned last week, the baby said some very harmful, uh, misinformed um, things on 
at his Rolling Loud set, then he followed that up by posting and doubling down on those things. And then later he posted even more video and comments tripling down on mm. those same ideals as it relates to the LGBT uh, community, um, as it relates to HIV AIDS. Um, and now, um, again, this is freedom of speech. Issue, you can tried, say whatever you tried want. To issue, tried to issue an apology. It was half-assed. It was very half-assed <laughs> and it was very mm-hmm. much, um, I'm sorry about the misinformation about HIV AIDS, but I still don't really, you know, fool with yeah. the, the yeah. LGBT community. That was the apology that he issued. So yeah. now that he is facing consequences for being able to speak his mind, which everybody is free to do, but you are not free of consequences. He has been dropped. Initially, he was um, dropped by, I think, Boohoo Man, which I think it may be some sort of clothing line or something. And he was like, I'm not worried about that. That ain't nothing. I'm still out here. It has now, to date, as of today, he has been dropped from seven music festivals citing his homophobic comments. Um, mm. And he issued a more um, PR type um, apology, which I won't read because it's another non-apology because um, he does the typical thing that most folks do. You have to educate me. You know, social media is quick to cancel people. Oh, and by the way, you know, sorry for the hurtful things I said. Um, well, so but here's what you can do, right? Because people, like you said, he he does that, uh, you know, that not mansplaining, but he does that kind of, you know, it ain't all my fault thing. He, he could have just started and stopped with, I want to apologize to the LGBTQ plus community for the hurtful and triggering comments I made. Again, apologize for misinformed comments about HIV AIDS. And I know education on this is important. Love to all. God bless the baby. Could have just did that. And <laughs> again, like, what you it, said, it, that blurb you said, before he got to that part, he said double the amount of words. Probably almost triple just looking at the way it's written. Trying to explain. Trying to explain why mm-hmm. he said what he said. Rather than just apology, straight out apologizing. An apology is an apology. It's not to attempt to dismiss mm-hmm. is not an attempt to explain mm-hmm. it's not an attempt to put up a reason it's not a attempt to uh bring other people into the apology mm-hmm. you are supposed to say i am sorry you are supposed to yeah you're supposed to acknowledge the wrong that you did you're supposed to acknowledge the individuals and our community that you harmed and you are supposed to um, acknowledge what you can do to not um, say those comments again or change your focus. And he could have left and, it at that. And and even before all this, an apology doesn't have to be this heartfelt, you know, uh, introspective, no. you know, thoughtful look. He could have been like when when he said those comments at that uh, event and P.E. started to get wind of it, he could have been like, Yo, my bad, y'all. I was tripping. That's an apology. And he could have left it at that. My bad, y'all. I was tripping. You know, I, I was drinking. I was smoking. My bad. And that, you know, uh, my bad is almost like the... The, the universal... The, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That, 
that everybody recognizes that, okay, you know, my bad. <laughs> and even like with it, his first non-apology, had he stopped with the the misinformed comments I made, had he stopped there, that would have been better. But no. But people, but people feel like, people feel like, and this is a problem, right? People feel like they have to either double down, right? Mm-hmm. Or they have to put out this PR perfect, you know, thoughtful, introspective, you know, thoughtful piece and then donate, you know, money to Boys and Girls Club or something like mm-hmm. that. It don't have to be those two. It could just be like, yo, I was tripping. My bad. I was tripping. He could have said if, that. Even if you didn't mean it. Right. Because obviously he went through the the work of having his PR people craft this statement and put it out for him to be on social media today eating fruit, basically saying, you know, I'm I'm rich. I'm still getting money. Nothing ain't stopping me. I'm not bothered because obviously, you know, he's been dropped from seven performances. And, and he'll be all right. He'll and, be all right. Yeah. The, the, the new, the, these new artists, these new fans, you know, the, the, again, there's so much information, so much things that are going on with social media. He'll be all right because, again, like I said before, we'll change the channel. It'll be on to the next story. Somebody else will say something inflammatory or something something will happen, you know, and we'll change the channel. And, and let's be honest, know. there are some people who actually agree with what he said. So and, <laughs> Right, and that was, that was my point. So I saw a Facebook story today, and again, and I'm just going to say it, and I just had to be what it is. The way black people, the, the not the way, the nerve of black people to be so discriminatory, so hateful, so hurtful against another group of people. Another marginalized group. Another another marginalized group of people knowing all of the hell that we went through for the past however many hundreds of years is And still insane. to now. <laughs> It is insane to me. And I, I saw a, a high school friend of mine. They didn't say it themselves, but they retweeted or reposted somebody with this. That, and they said, so if we can cancel the baby, you know, can we also cancel Lil Nas X? And it's just so it's so uneducated that that type of. Hate, uh, what, homophobia. Not, not just hate, but what whataboutism, trying yeah. to compare. And it's so flawed simply because the baby isn't, if, if, if the baby was gay, this would be a whole nother story because he is part of that marginalized group of people. Mm-hmm. So for the baby to point attention, call it shade, call it disrespect, hurtful, whatever you want to call those comments he made towards that group. Yes, he has some consequences that he has to pay. Unlike little Nas X, who is a part of, of that community. community. And little Nas X, I could see if you made the comparison, if little Nas X had said, said something, something similar toward, yeah. towards heterosexual people. And again... And all little Nas X did was make a video about a song about his own experiences, which that's apparently that's what other rappers are doing. They're, they put it under the guise of this is, I grew up in the hood. So I'm talking about what I know. I sold drugs and talk about, he's talking about what he's known. He's talking about his life, but right. it's a problem 
when it's something that black, uh, specifically black folks deem as unclean, um, as, as against the community, not as if there aren't Q queer or LGBT people that are also black that have to face both of these things. Right. Right. And, and it's just, it's, it's, Again, we kind of mentioned it a week or so ago. It's amazing how much attention we uh, give to this. And like you said, <laughs> you know, in some cases, you know, it is projecting a little bit mm-hmm. because why are we? Uh, why do you care? <laughs> right. I don't I don't know what the LGBT community will want out of, you know, uh my guess is just leave. They, they want to be left alone well. to live their life like everybody else does. The same thing we say I, as black I, people. We want to just be able to live our life and go to the grocery store, go out with our friends just how we want and not have y'all bother us. Just leave us alone. And if you don't agree and if you have uh, uh, whatever, that's fine. But that that disagreement that turns into hate. Yeah. You know, it's it's. Again, the nerve of black people, of all the black people, to of all the people, the people to understand what oppression what, is, what discrimination right, is, right? How, what it looks like, how it can manifest itself, how you can use it, weaponize it, you know, how you can discriminate a whole group of people just because of something that you don't necessarily understand. Of all the black people to understand, all the people to understand that, you would think black people understand that. So the nerve. Of a lot of our black, even if you don't agree, I get it. You don't agree, but and that's fine. That's not your business, though. (laughs) To try to come up with these reasons and these try to extrapolate and and try to the mental gymnastics you have to do, right? To get to this point is crazy. Why why even do all that? Just mind your business. Yeah, black people love to tell people mind your business, but But they be the same ones not minding theirs. We be all up in the gay folks' business. Mind your business. Leave they these people you. alone. Leave this community alone to live their life free and clear from your judgment, which you have no right to judge them on anyway. And let me just reiterate that had the baby not said these comments related to HIV AIDS and the LGBT community, he, st- he would have had no problems even though he brought out on the stage the man who physically assaulted a black woman who had just performed an hour before. Had he not brought up this, the LGBT community or Mm -hmm. HIV AIDS, he would have been Gucci. And for me, that's my bigger issue, especially as a black woman, because first of all, if we're going to go this route, neither one of them should have been on stage because the baby has been accused video of slapping a woman um tori lanes has alleged have to say allegedly even though Mm -hmm. we have video and um photographic evidence and the word of a black woman that she was shot by him yeah you know it just it just really it really grinds my gears that we have all this focus rightly on what he said about the lgbtq community um, and the misinformation about HIV AIDS. But what is additionally lost in this conversation mm-hmm. is the sex. perpetual violence, uh-huh. physical mm-hmm. violence against black women that seems to be the, oh, that's not so bad of it. Right, 
we get it. They get a pass, which they again, get a pass. That's a whole. That's a whole nother. That's a whole nother rant that I could get on, specific, but I won't. Yeah, specifically within rap and hip hop, yeah. and specifically, you know, with the black community. You know, of course, of course. Yeah. You know, these same issues happen with the white community. They happen with, you know, Asian community. Happen with the Latino community. But I'm black, so I can only talk about I black. And that's I can only talk about. Right. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. So we will see. Um, you know, be all right. he he will likely be fine, but I think he thought too much of himself, and he thought he was above reproach. And um, he may make his way back. Um, he will probably still have an audience because, again, there are people um, that think the way he does, and they will likely still support him. But what I think this has shown him that you aren't that famous, bro. You are not that popular that you cannot be quote unquote canceled because honestly, nobody ever gets canceled. Um, so uh, I hope, even though I know it won't, because again, like I said, he's already on social media boasting that, you know, he's still rich and that these festivals dropping him or these things dropping him isn't affecting his money. He's He's projecting yet again his unbotheredness, but to me, it's showing his botheredness. If you were truly unbothered, unbothered. by this, you would mm-hmm. keep going about your rich life Regular and life, yeah. and not even yeah. say anything. But you're constantly posting on social media about how unbothered you are. Right. Again, mm-hmm. more projection because, mm-hmm. as I mentioned last week, I think his comments are some sort of projection as well in my <laughs> humble that, personal opinion and that in and of itself is a whole nother conversation, conversation. exactly <laughs> all right let's head on over to the hookup this week all right so um for our me and my wife's anniversary we got our closet redone and we it's pretty it's finished uh we had somebody come in and kind of give us a custom closet and one of the things that i needed to do is to have a quick way to keep well i needed a way to keep my firearms safe in the house but i also needed a way to access them quickly if something were to go down so um with the advent of this new uh um, closet we got um the 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 my carpenter also added some drawer space in the actual closet so uh what i did was i needed to instead of keeping my firearms locked in a special case that needs a key that i gotta go hide the key (laughs) so that i can retrieve the key get to the lock unlock the lock take you know do what i gotta do which takes up time when you're in an emergency um i did some research and found a biometric cabinet lock on amazon it's I think it's about $25. Um, I haven't installed it yet, but basically what it does is it uses my fingerprint. So if there's an emergency that does happen, I can quickly go into uh, my closet, use my biometrics, i.e. my thumbprint. I'll put my thumbprint on the sensor. It pops the lock to the drawer, and then I can do what I need to do versus trying to fumble around, find keys, unlock things. You know, I can do what I need to do in a hurry. So, um, like I said, I haven't installed it yet. I'll probably do that maybe this weekend and I'll do a follow up. But I I what struck me as interesting was I was thinking it's going to be one hundred two hundred dollars. 
you know, with this um, this lock that I can install myself, just 25 bucks on Amazon, and you can actually register your thumbprint. I think you can register up to two or three, up to five thumbprints or fingerprints, and it was only $25, and it looks pretty simple to install. Nice. So, yeah, I thought I was going to have to buy some special closet, do all this extra stuff when, you know, it can actually be installed to current uh, drawers. So uh, basically check it out. We'll put a link in the show notes. It is a biometric cabinet lock from Amazon. It was just 25 bucks. Cool. All right. That is it for this week. Definitely. um, Thank you for listening to the show and definitely want you to continue to um, engage with us um, on our show and support the show. And you can support the show in a couple different ways. You can start about by download rating and reviewing us we're on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, and spotify you can definitely hit us up and engage with us on social media we're on twitter instagram and facebook we're at snob westcast on all three platforms you can also watch us on youtube where we are at snob westcast definitely be sure if you're going to watch us on youtube to like and subscribe to our channel you can also definitely feel free to leave us any comments and suggestions via our website snobwestcast.com or via email snobwestcast at gmail.com you can also support us financially by going to our patreon site which is patreon.com slash snobwestcast and support our show with a monthly five dollar donation with this uh, uh, monthly subscription, you get access to our pre-show content, um, our live taping, and also our chat community. You can also support us financially if you want to give us a one-time donation via PayPal. You can do that by going to paypal.me slash snobwestcast. And that is it for this week. Thank you for tuning in. We will see you guys next week. Bye. Peace.